we serve a father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. James 1.17. Welcome to Sermonology. I'm Jack Barrow. We hope in a few daily minutes to challenge your thought life from a religious perspective. Our hope is that you can calibrate your daily walk with God and experience a miracle from within. Take a seat. Let's talk. Happy Sabbath, Saints. I um, was listening to Chris when he came up here and said, if you kind of just listen to God has a theme. <laughs> I don't think it's a whisper anymore. He's got a theme. The um, offertory came up and talked about Daniel and we talked about, uh, we'll just listen to today's message. God has got a theme today. Um, let's pray. Lord, just speak. Just speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, you know, I notice that every time I speak and then speaking to other people that speak and other pastors that speak and evangelists that speak, um, anytime that they speak, God is also talking to them as much as he's talking to the people through which he's speaking to. And I've had some interesting conversations with my two daughters over the last couple months. Very interesting. My, my youngest daughter, Alyssa, um, and by the way, before I get in trouble, Fallon, happy birthday. You know I love you, I didn't forget. Um, when I was talking to my youngest daughter, Alyssa, she said, hey, dad, you know, Halloween is coming up and I was, and that's a school, now you gotta understand, my daughter's going to Northwest Christian School. It's an Adventist school. And she said, you know, kids have been coming to school wearing all kind of dark and evil outfits and they've had some things posted in the school that she goes, she goes, why would they do that? And I said, well, hold on. You realize some of the kids at the school, not all of them are Adventists and some of them are Christians of different faiths. So, you know, you may be um, seeing a kid doing something that um, maybe, you know, they don't understand what you understand or what daddy has talked to you about. She's like, no, 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 no. They've, they've been at the Sabbath school that I've been in when I've come to the church down here and they're Adventists, dad, but why are they worshiping Satan? That was her question. And I said, well, I said, well, gorgeous. It's not that they see it as worshiping Satan. And she said, but dad, you said, if they're not worshiping God, by default, they're worshiping Satan. And I said, okay, you are correct. I did say that. But I said, sometimes in our Christian walk, we compromise. And so sometime after that, my oldest daughter Fallon comes up to me. And a thing that I've had is when I do watch TV, which actually is very slim now, I don't watch much unless it's nature and other things filled, but sometimes I like watching um, um, some sci-fi stuff, which has been, been a struggle for me 
because God tells me in my heart, and this is, now listen to me. When I talk to you about certain things, some things that may cause me to stumble may not be an issue for you, okay? You with me? But so God had put it on my heart, well, you know, fiction is a lie, Jack. So you need to put it aside. But in watching the show that I was watching, you know, it had some little areas of little bit of violence. But you know, as adults, we, we feel because we are adults that we can filter that where we wouldn't allow our children to watch that. But her question to me cut me to the bone because she said to me, hey dad, why would you watch something that I couldn't watch? Yeah. There can be unique situations where there are times or there's something that we need to see that our children shouldn't see. But in entertainment, in things that we are allowing in our lives, I compromise. And so my children in starting these Bible studies, because they both told me they want to get, they want to get baptized, dad, I need to get baptized. Well, you need to study. Well, then teach us, dad. Come on, dad. And so they're asking me these questions. Why are they doing this? And why are people to doing that and I go here and they say this and they say why I said because sometimes as people we compromise well well dad what does compromise mean I said well there's the there's compromise in the positive where there are times where we need to be able to meet people in a certain place to help things happen in a positive but in today's sermon we want to talk about how and what we do when we compromise in the negative and when you look in the negative to the definition of compromise, it says made vulnerable by revelation or exposure. It also means to be impaired or diminished in function, weakened, damaged, or made flawed. Weakened, damaged, or made flawed. Now we're talking about compromising in the negative amen so what makes compromise so dangerous is the subtle way that it approaches us compromise by definition doesn't involve a wholesale capitulation to worldly ways or ideas instead it accommodates them most of us would recoil at the thought of tossing Jesus aside and embracing an idol, but compromise never asks us to do that. Compromise says that we can have the idol <laughs> and keep Jesus too. There's room on the shelf for one more object to worship, right? And what's the harm since we still have Yeshua, we still have Jesus, we still have the Lord of the Sabbath. When studied to understand why, comprom why Christians compromise, here's what they found and, and find and, and see if any of these are familiar to you, not necessarily happening to you, but familiar. Fear of rejection. See, in compromising, the fear of being alone or, or pointed out from the crowd can be a tough thing for Christians. 
Well, what about tolerance in compromise? Well, it tends to be the sympathy or indulgent for the beliefs or practices differing from God's. We compromise our pleasure, the willingness to give in to be happy. We compromise through laziness. You're too lazy to fight what, what God believes and what, and then you just give in. We compromise through misguided attempts to be relevant, having or showing faulty judgment or reasoning. A big one in our churches, we, we, we compromise through the fear of being labeled. Sometimes believers worry more about what the world will think of us than what God will think of us. We don't want to be considered a bigot or self-righteous and, and, and we don't want to be um, considered to be outside of society's norms. We don't want to be different and we don't want to stand out from the crowd. So we compromise to fit in. Sometimes we compromise because we're ignorant of God's word. There are those that live like the world in one or more areas simply because they don't know God's standard. Yet in 1 Peter uh, 1, 13 and 14, God calls us in, he says, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but to be holy in all that we do. Well, there are dozens and dozens of areas we compromise in. What are some of these things that we find ourselves compromising in, maybe that we know or don't know? I'm gonna give you five today out of maybe 15 that I had to pull from. Uh-oh, is right. Forgiveness. See, the world says it's okay to hold a grudge if somebody really did you wrong. Thinking that treating someone poorly because they treated you badly is perfectly fine is what we find in the world today. These are all things that the world subscribes to and if you aren't watchful, you will too. Forgiveness, as far as compromise, is tough. There's no doubt about it. It requires supernatural help. But here's the thing, it isn't optional. No matter what the circumstances, holding a grudge against any person or group of people is a sin. And it blocks every blessing God has in store for you. The devil will tempt you in this area and don't take the bait. While every area of compromise is dangerous, this one, this one will block good things in your life from every direction. You're not sure about it, Mark 11:25 tells us, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, drop the issue, let it go so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoing against him and others. 
Forgiveness is a tough one. Well, what about your identity, your integrity, and your lifestyle? Daniel 1.8, and that's why I was, I was amazed when I saw them talking about Daniel. And Daniel 1.8 says, but Daniel purposed, he says he what? He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself while the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The pit with the lions which Daniel was put into, as well as the hot oven, heated seven times more where the three friends were thrown. They show that they had not lost their identity. The names could be changed, but their heart could not. Sometimes people around us are not so interested in our beliefs, but they cannot overlook our lifestyle. Thousands, thousands, and and it's amazing because we do so many evangelism series and so much outreach and we, you know, have all these magnificent, magnificent revelation seminars. But if you've looked around the church, thousands have come into the church solely based on the lifestyle with the message being the icing on the cake. How they've seen you live your life has more influence about what you said about it. Lifestyle has opened doors to conversations left and right. Most discussions regarding the Bible and religion are motivated by, motivated by seeing us living a different lifestyle. We learn from Daniel that religion is not limited to the theoretical and abstract. It goes deeper to the practical level of daily life. Religion has to do with the way we take care of ourselves and the way we take care of our bodies and the way we take care of our minds. Clearly, we all have work to do. The major theme that frequently comes up in the book of Daniel is victory and liberation. The victory in the first chapter when God gives wisdom to these young people is nothing but a prelude to what is to follow later. This victory was possible because they decided to remain consistent in their faithfulness to God. Even in things that might seem small to some. And God honored their faithfulness by giving them wisdom. Their identity, their integrity, their lifestyle was uncompromised. I used to tell, I don't used to, I used to tell, I tell my children, when you run into problems and you run into things and you run into issues with people or, 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 or circumstance, handle them while they're small. Handle them while they're small. My eldest daughter is going to be allowed to go on her first little camping trip next week. Ever. (laughs) And there are things that I had of concern as a father. And I didn't want to compromise myself in what I felt and what I believed. 
but she came to me and she said, she said, and it's funny that she told me this because she didn't have to tell me this for it to be relevant. She goes, I really want to go, Dad. And I know I want to go because I prayed about it three times. I was like, for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, how are you doing that, you know? So the question that we have today is, have you purposed in your heart not to defile or compromise yourself? What about media? (laughs) Finding wholesome, wholesome media these days is not impossible, but it is real tough. And that's why it has become so easy for Christians to compromise with the world. See, the world has no problem with sin and they, they don't hesitate to fill music and TV and movies that, uh, for, with every form. But when we consume entertainment that's filled with, okay, slow down. When we consume media that's filled with sin, we're going against what the Bible has told us. Psalm 101.3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. We're supposed to guard our hearts by being selective about what goes in our eyes and ears. That's why Romans 12.2 tells us that the only way not to be conformed to this world is to renew our minds with the word of God. With the wickedness and the craziness found in the modern media today, you can find yourself going crosswise of the word of God. You may hear everyone else talking about the latest and the greatest movie and, oh man, did you know that Avatar is finally coming out with the latest thing this year? But ministry, you don't have to be like everyone else. In fact, you're not supposed to be like everyone else. You should be living at a higher level is what God tells us. Compromising even a little in the area of media is far more dangerous than most Christian realize because it slowly bends you away from God and into the layer of Satan. What about compromising your words? How's your tongue been lately? What you say doesn't really matter, does it? Of course it does. But Jack, I'm just, I'm just telling it like it is. Well, that's Satan lie. And it's a commonly held belief of the world why the Bible tells us God who gives life to the dead and calls unto us being that which does not exist. The world doesn't watch its words at all. If you can remember what it was to see a movie if you were alive in 1970 and remembering what had to be complained about and what was unfiltered and you jump to the day and you have to filter more than you can just see. The world doesn't watch its words. 
That's why there are so many Christians that are getting trapped. We think it's normal to speak without thinking. People who watch their words are becoming rare. But this area of compromise is one that will change your life and not for the better. Your words steer your life. If you want to go in the direction of victory, victory is what you'll need to speak no matter what. So if you're hanging around a lot of people who speak curses over themselves and constantly complain on themselves and look at evil in others, you may be tempted to compromise. Be mindful and refuse to compromise your words. We're living in unprecedented times. Don't let the devil trick you into believing that it is no big deal. Stop compromising. Become bold in your beliefs and bold in your faith. One of the craziest aspects of God's revelation is that it openly confronts and challenges sin. One of the major themes in Ellen White's uh, uh, testimonies for Christ is that human beings, we become blind to sin. In Testimonies for the Church, volume 3, page 39, it says, if you can only see yourselves from the standpoint of heaven. When's the last time you tried to took a step back and to see how would you look and how would you come across from the standpoint of heaven? What is your poor angel witnessing of you? What is God seeing of you? What about compromising your time? Ministry, (laughs) the biggest mistake we make in life is we think we have time. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once it's lost, you can never get it back. The average person, and I'm not talking about average, but just national average, the average person lives 78 years. We spend 28.3 years of our lives sleeping. We spend 10 and a half years of our lives working, even with 50% of us wanting to leave our current jobs. Time is more valuable than money. You can get more money, but you cannot get more time. We spend nine years on TV and social media. We spend six years doing chores. We spend four years eating and drinking. We spend 3.6 years in education. We spend two and a half years grooming. We spend two and a half years shopping. We spend one and a half years in childcare. We spend 1.3 years commuting. That leaves us with nine years if we retain all these things mentioned with TV and social media being one of the items that we can change as an activity. How are we gonna spend our remaining time? God forbid compromising ourselves. Time is limited ministry. So don't waste it living a lukewarm life. The bad news is time flies. But the good news is you can let Jesus be your pilot. 
Imagine every day waking up with $86,400 in your bank account. Imagine that. Every day waking up with $86,400 in your bank account. Now, at the end of the night, it's all gone whether you spend it or not. But the next day you get another $86,400. What would you do with it? Yeah, but see, every day you have 86,400 seconds deposited into your life account. Every morning you get another 86,400 seconds. See, we would never waste it if it was money. So why would you compromise it when it comes to time? We think it is people wasting our time, but really it is us giving the world permission to do that. As Christians, we made a decision to settle the argument between the two voices fighting for our loyalty, but the work doesn't stop with the decision. We fight this fight daily, God in us. The voice we need is the voice that we need to feed. Listen, God and time are the best teachers. God teaches us to make the best use of our time and time teaches us the infinite value of God. I I heard it said that um, time is very slow for those who want it and it's very fast for those who are scared. It's very long for those who are sad and very short for those who celebrate. But for those who love, time is eternal and God is love without compromise. Are you with me? The entire passage found in 1 John 4, 7 through 21 speaks of God's loving nature. God is not merely loving. At his core, he is love. The completeness and the perfection of love 1 John 4, 16 tells us, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Ephesians three seventeen in the Message Bible tells us that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in and that we need to ask him that with both our feet planted firmly in love to guide our lives. There should be no compromise over values and the standards that stem from those values if we love the Most High God. There's no time. Here are some, here are four little examples of what we should not compromise. The essential of the Christian faith, including the gospel, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, and the faithful teaching of the word, 2 Timothy 4, 2, don't compromise. We should not compromise the authority of Christ. Look up Luke 16, 13, don't compromise. We should not compromise our personal convictions. Romans 14, 5. Don't compromise. We should not compromise our moral issues as defined in scripture. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Don't compromise. The list of things we compromise are endless. Politics, relationships, culture, entertainment. Resisting 
compromise is not up to our own strength or effort, but rather God has equipped us. Second Peter 1, 3 in the Amplified says, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And he is with us. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 encourages us, continue to work on your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you um, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God's word and his presence nourishes our soul. The Bible is filled with verses to support that. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, Psalms 119, 9 through 6, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. To compromise is to make concessions or accommodations for someone or something. There are times when compromise is good and right. Examples in situations where keeping the peace is desirable. Daniel and his three friends concerning their diet. For certain other matters, compromise is not good. The Bible makes it clear that God does not condone compromising his standards. Deuteronomy 5.32 says, Be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Psalm 119, one through three in the NLT says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. How deeply have we investigated ourselves? How are we training our children? If our children are watching, if the world is watching, what do our co-workers see from us? What does the world see from us? Testimonies for the church, volume three, chapter 39 says, appetite and passion are overcoming thousands of Christ's professed followers. Their senses become so blunted an account of familiarity with sin that they do not abhor it, but view it as attractive. I have seen that there is a danger that even with the professed children of God will be corrupted. They seem to be infatuated and powerless to resist and overcome upon the point of appetite and passion. In God, there is power. In him, there is strength. If they will take hold upon it, the life-giving power of Jesus will stimulate everyone who has named the name of Christ. Dangers and perils surround us, and we are only safe when we feel our weakness and cling with the grasp of faith to our mighty deliverer. It is a fearful time in which we live. We cannot cease watchfulness and prayer for a moment. Our helpless souls must rely on Jesus, our compassionate Redeemer. Ministry, people are temporary. Things are temporary. Careers are temporary. Places will be temporary. 
but God is eternal. There is nothing out there for us, saints. You can't, huh, you can't quench your thirst with seawater. When we compromise God's standards, morals, and times, it's like trying to mix seawater with living water. Do something for me. Everybody in the room, take a deep breath and breathe it out. Something I discovered in hearing a story is that we need to learn how to breathe. What do you feel when you breathe in? It's God-given life. There is a, um, a former monk that told his story. When he was 23, he went to become a monk. And he went to monk, literally monk school, it's a thing, at a monastery. And as he was walking the, the gardens and the grounds, he noticed that there was a little 10-year-old monk. And the 10-year-old monk was teaching little five-year-old monks. And he was amazed and he was standing there and he was listening to what this monk was trying to say. He was trying to eavesdrop um, without being obvious. And, um, you know, he was around behind the tree and he was trying to listen in to like what? And he was amazed because this 10 year old child was talking like an adult to these five year old children. And when their class had finished, he walked up to this um, little monk and he was like, that's amazing that you're teaching these children. You know, he said, and then a little 10 year old monk says, well, today was their first day of monk school. Very first day. He's like, what did, he says, what do you teach him? And the little 10 year old monk said, well, what did you learn on the first day of school? And he said, well, we learned the alphabet and we learned um, our numbers and how to add and subtract. And he said, he said, but what did you teach them today on their first day of monk school? He said, the 10 year old told him that the first thing we teach them at monk school is how to breathe. He says, because we are taught that the only thing that stays with us from the moment we are born until the moment we die is our breath. Friends, family, society, all that's gonna change, but what doesn't change is your breath. He says, when you get stressed, what changes? Your breath. When you get angry, what changes? Your breath. When you get sad, what changes? Your breath. When you get happy, what changes? Your breath. Every emotion is experienced with a change of breath. Athletes and musicians will tell you all will change how the breath becomes so important to their performance in stressful situations. But so do we as Christians. It is funny that a 10-year-old monk could understand the importance of breath, yet we miss all of the implications. The priority is in the root of the problem, not the symptoms. We must deal with compromise at the root level, not the symptomatic level. We, know, we need to understand and control our breath. 
How did we come to be? Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We need to do what God asks of us because in Job 27, 3, says for as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils, moving like Christ while yet we have life is important. We need to remember what strength and blessing is, and we need to lean on Job 33.4. It says, the spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. See, God's breath has provided us help in John 20.22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Are we compromising our blessing and our gifts? We can't compromise worship of Christ with our breath. When we praise God, we use our breath. We're praising God with the very breath that he gave us. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are we compromising the music and the worship and the study in our living? Are we misusing our breath? The breath of life is a gift of God. And if you are struggling with compromising your life, let God help you. Let him breathe life into your struggles. You know, the place where God speaks to the person is in his conscience. It is where we reason with God. Isaiah 1, 18 through 20 says, come, let's talk it over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain, on your sin, stain of your sins, I can take it out. Make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you're as stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. But if you keep turning your backs and refusing to listen to me, you will be killed by your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. For this reason, the conscience in our lives, in our person, is holy ground. Protection of the conscience is the essence of religious liberty. It's about winning the war of compromise. Ministry, the better we know God, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. The better we can resist the temptation, the compromise of what's important. I know, I know that some of us are struggling with our Christianity. And surprisingly, that some need to hear in a time like this, it's okay to be a Christian. But ministry, I want to tell you that it's not okay it's necessary. If the world has no one and nothing to show them a standard, Christ-led morality, purity, love, and relationship, how can they borrow the hope that is in us? Did you hear me? See, if you read your Bible, you'd understand that 
the hope that is in us does not exist a lot in a lot of those in the world. And so it will be them leaning on our hope to help them come into connection with God. The world needs people like them, but who have gone through the fire and are uncompromised in their living. Christ-like living. I want to ask you to purpose in your heart not to defile yourself or compromise yourself, whether in identity, what you watch, what you celebrate, what you eat, the words you speak, or your time. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, Jesus says, I can take it out and make you clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. Because I, the Lord, have spoken. So I want to, I want to challenge you as I have had to challenge myself this week to investigate myself. I want to challenge you to investigate yourself this week. God has been giving me these sermons this week that have been about challenging things that are going on in our lives. I don't know why he keeps giving to me, but he keeps doing it. But I want you to take the time and look at where you know God wants you to be. It is not going to look the same for everybody. Our walks are not the same, but our direction and our intention and our landing point is the same. And our God and our Savior is the same. And the path is narrow. It's not broad. So we need to put in check our compromises, saints. We're at a point in the history of time where compromise no longer holds water. We need to focus on what it is important in our life that needs to change and stop comp. If Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego can be uncompromising in the worst of situations, how can we not when we're just worried about how somebody's going to think about us? Let's pray. Kind and merciful Father, Lord. Wow. Um, forgive us of our sins. Please, please forgive us of our sins. And specifically, forgive us of our compromise. We've been living compromising lives. And the world is watching. What kind of a witness, what kind of a book are we if it is okay for us to allow evil to be good? So we ask, Lord, that you would just talk to each and every heart and mind under the sound of my voice, whether online or in this church this week and show us where we are compromising you. Show us where our standards are weakened. Show us where we are not in step with your footsteps. And then correct us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. That all we say, all we think, all we do, all that we allow into our lives, Lord, is of you. 
and we will be careful to give you the glory and the honor. We thank you, Lord. Without doubt, we love you. Save us from ourselves, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.